Today, we've got some former guests back on the show to talk PPC strategy and more. Now, both have inspired others on previous episodes with their story of how they became Amazon sellers. One was a military veteran turned six-figure seller, and the other, an immigrant to the United States who recently has had her clothing line featured along the likes of Louis Vuitton. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Did you know that Amazon sometimes loses or damages some of your inventory? Usually they reimburse you for this, but sometimes they might miss things. That's where Refund Genie comes in. What Helium 10's Refund Genie does is we go check out your reports and see if Amazon owes you any money. And then we give you the reports that you need to submit to Amazon so that you can get your money back. If you haven't run this, you could have hundreds, if not thousands of dollars that Amazon might owe you, especially if you've never used this before and you sell a lot on Amazon. So to find out more information, go to h10.me forward slash Refund Genie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. We've got a couple serious sellers back on the show, and I like to call this show kind of like the, the triple S show. You know, like at Helium 10, we've got tons of, of S's everywhere. First of all, this is the Serious Sellers Podcast. We've got the Serious Sellers club we had sell and scale summit you know to go along with that we've got shan shan and sharon triple s uh, I, I almost started wearing my triple s uh sneaker today i got my s uh hat i got i got the the s logo here on my jacket this is actually the um the logo of the dj slushy who makes our opening for the podcast the that little song that you guys hear so we're just all about the s today how's it going my triple s crew yeah, it's great. What's going on with you, Bradley? Hey, Bradley. I'm doing just great. Awesome. Now, you're you're still in, in Texas. I see you there on, on the famous uh, the famous sofa there. Uh, Shasha, d- didn't you move recently? You're you're not in um, California anymore, are you? No, I left San Francisco and now I'm in Miami slash New York. I think everybody from California is moving to uh, to Florida, and I don't know about New York. I don't hear about much people moving to to New York, but uh, but Florida for sure. Texas, a lot of people are moving to. Um, whereabouts in New York? I, I live in. Uh, I used to live in New York back in the day. Oh, so there's a thing called a snowbird where you live in um, uh, New York in the summer and Miami in the winter. So I don't have a place, place, but I have a sublet at the Upper East Side. So yeah, just uh, I'm actually hosting an e-commerce dinner tonight at Soho House. Um, so trying to penetrate this e-commerce world in New York, which is quite robust. Cool, cool. All right, now uh, we're not going to go too much into everybody's backstories. Um, this is actually between them about the the third or fourth time they've been on the uh, they've been on the podcast. Now, the last time they were on the podcast, they were actually, you know, they've been on the podcast by themselves before, but the last time I had them on together, uh, and that was the first time they had even uh, met each other, that was episode 344. So if you guys want to catch up with what they were doing a little over a year ago, then check out episode 344. But I said, hey, let's bring them back. You know, it's been a year. Uh, let, let's see what what uh, exciting things these individuals have been doing. And, and not only do they still sell themselves, but they also you know, have, have branched out, uh, more and more to, to helping other sellers. And so like, I like talking to people who are in the industry like that because they, they sometimes, uh, 
you know, come across a lot more things than just if we were working working by the uh, by ourselves. So let's start with uh, Sharon. How first of all, how how's your own business uh, been going the last the last year? So kind of steady. We down. We up. What's going on? Oh, okay. So um, a revelation came about. You know, after the uh, the Great Depression called COVID. You know, where everybody was quarantined. Uh, me being in the maternity area and the people having nothing left to do but procreate. So. Um, I had a boom during COVID and didn't realize it was because of COVID. So last year, the last two years, I've had a drop, but I've been steady. And the reason I've been steady is because of how I maintain my profit. I, I, the way I do profit is I use the previous year's profit for the current year's salary. That way I can never go under, you know? Okay. So for the last two years, I've been pretty much steady at a decrease from 2021. Okay. So your profit then is steady, but yeah. your revenue is maybe down a little bit, you're, you're saying? Right. I've dropped from about 450000 a year to about three three hundred okay. a year. Now, did you suffer like on the inventory side, like like maybe you didn't plan for that, or and then you're, you're stuck with a little bit extra inventory, or or how did that work out for you? So yeah, because I did not recognize it was a boom for me. Um, I did pre, uh, over order. So um, hey, some of the troubles that you got to overcome is uh, excess inventory, and I currently have about fifteen hundred units in my garage next door. Okay, now now for you. Uh, I know you've had like different variations of your products. It, it, is it, didn't you launch like a separate line or, or is it still pretty much, do you have one product and just a whole bunch of different variations? So I sold, I, I launched last year, I launched a premium version of the same product that I have. Maternity okay. uh, it's a little bit more um, expensive and it gives the, the mom uh, a lot more support. Um, that launch has been slow, but it has not been a failure. So I'm, I'm waiting on that to uh, pick up and move with that. But it is it is a, a premium version of the same product with more colors and more sizes. Have you looked into expanding the brand out or possibly starting another another brand? Or you're kind of just like happy, happy where you are right now since you are profitable and, and, and plug it along. So the, the purpose for me to start my whole my whole business was to support my family. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, I'm doing that right now. And I, I, you know, this may sound weird to a lot of people, but I do not have high ambitions of becoming rich, right? I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. I'll take it, Mm -hmm. right? But I don't have high ambitions of becoming rich. I am very happy that I'm able to take care of my family. And um, that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, um, you know, for your your niche have you i'm not sure if you're using like the regular market tracker or not but like have you been been checking like are, are you keeping kind of like your market share but just you know the size of the pie ha- has gone down or also ha- has your has your size uh of the pie or of your your slice of the pie gone down in addition to the whole entire pie so um my my biggest thing is finding out why so when i dropped in salary or dropped in revenue i had to discover the why and in that process, I did find out that the whole category dropped. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely an, an economic um, 
reset, if you will, instead mm-hmm. of me just losing profit. So everybody across the board dropped about 30% down, dropped down about 30%. So as far as ratio of the pie, I still have that being one of the top uh, five sellers in my category, okay. but everybody has dropped. Okay. Now you've, you know, some sometimes when when you've got mature products, you know, and, and I say mature, like, like you've, you know, you've, you've been there about three, four years um, now, you know, like if there's a successful niche out there, a lot of people kind of figure um, that every single time it'll just get saturated with, with sellers from, from factories, you know, be it, be it from China, be it from India, be it from wherever. And, and, you know, you're not going to be able to sell anymore at a decent price. And, you know, I've actually had a couple of, of smaller niches where we're just got, you know, to the point where it wasn't uh, profitable a- as much. Now, you know, you're still plugging along. You've kept your slice of the pie. So has that not happened or or just you, you've you always been able to, you know, you, you haven't gotten involved in any price wars or how how come you're still selling the same product that, that you were, you know, three, four years ago? Yeah, so that, that was a major concern for, concern for me about two years ago. Um, we did have a rush of new sellers, possibly from factory factory and they were selling at half the price and i was thinking like i have two options stay strong with my integrity of the value that i see for my product or succumb to what the category is pushing towards mm-hmm. well um i'm thankful that before that happened i i found my category before that happened and the process or the time before it happened i i gathered uh, six thousand, almost almost six thousand reviews. Oh, which, wow. Yeah, which gives me the uh, social proof to keep my prices where they're at, and I have not raised my prices or lowered them for five years, and I'm still able to sell based off the strength of my brand. Okay, cool. Now let, let, let's switch to Shansha on there. Um, you know, similar to 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 Sharon, you had. A product that was kind of boomed also by by COVID, you know, like masks. I remember way back in the day, but you know, you you, you saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, and and you know, we're already pivoting away. What what about you? The the last the last couple of years, like how how have your brands been doing um, lately? Yeah. So the last time I talked to you guys, my face mask sales, which was my first product, was tanking, mm-hmm. and I had to desperately get uh, a new sustainable product category up there before it totally tanked. Um, and I did it. I uh, tripled sales from wow. my non-mask products since last time I saw you guys. Um, but the face masks went to zero. So sure. because face masks went down, but everything else went up, it's still, there was an overall increase, but not by a lot. Um, but it showed me that your sales can triple. And if it can triple, this year I'm on track to at least double. Um, and then some fun things have been happening. New York Times reached out and um, asked me to send my tights to a Ghana, to a fashion shoot in Ghana, where I was going to be um, paired up with like Louis Vuitton and Chanel and all the big brands on their big winter accessories feature. So the so in, it's hilarious in the in the feature it says Louis Vuitton dress five thousand dollars Chanel sweater you know two thousand dollars and Millennials in Motion tights fifteen dollars. 
so that's something that you've always been good at. That you know, for those who don't know, like two episodes ago when we, we first did her full backstory, that was how I um how she got on our radar is I actually saw her on kind of TV as it were. It was like CNBC or, or uh what one of these shows did a special on her story and then she had mentioned helium 10 uh helium 10 in there you know using helium 10 and i was like but you seem to like have this uh magnetism towards towards getting uh featured by by big media here thanks yeah it's an honor and um and i guess you know what i came out of that is hey fashion that's edgy for millennials mm-hmm. and gen z can be affordable too so um, that was fun, and and now I, I live in Miami and New York and trying to build a community with other e-commerce founders in the area as well. Okay, cool. Now, um, I you know last, last time you, you were giving us some 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 cool strategies about how you kind of like do your product validation on on Etsy. Um, are you still doing that? Uh, where, where you try and launch first on Etsy and then hit some certain numbers before you go to Amazon, or are you just doing both simultaneous? Or uh, what's your strategy, your marketplace strategy these days? Yeah. So I've realized is there's two types of sellers in this world, um, and I'm going to really simplify it. Their sellers are very conservative, and they just expand within their existing successful niche, um, just like little variation changes here and there. And it'll succeed and make more money, but it's not going to make that much more money. Then there's sellers that go really hard on one product. They launch one product and put a ton of ad spend and a ton of capital in it. And just like, fingers crossed, it succeeds. And sometimes it does, and it catapults. Um, but that, that requires high capital, it's high risk. So I, I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to do. Um, so instead, I decided to do both. And I launch simultaneously more women's clothing, which is arguably one of the toughest categories. Um, And then I also decided uh, very recently to launch in non-clothing categories as well. Um, And and we'll see how that goes. It hasn't launched yet. (laughs) Next time I come back, Bradley, I would love to tell you how that went. Okay, cool. Let's, um, I know both of you guys have have a lot of strategy or a lot of you know opinions and things behind this next topic, but I wanted to talk a little PPC. So let's start with uh with uh Sharon. Now uh, you mentioned something in our group chat, um you know kind of like I guess one of your own terms, but but it's something that that could apply. But you you said PPC math, you know, so that's not exactly a common term, uh you know that, that that's common in the Amazon industry, but but I kind of like the sound of it because it's like, all right, good. Well, we're going to talk about something, something a little bit unique here. So, so what do you define as PPC math, uh, Sharon, and how does that help you? All right. So, uh, yeah, so that is something that I coined and, um, it's very, it's once you know what it is, it is that aha moment, right? Cause, um, when, when I'm in the, uh, helium 10, uh, Facebook groups chatting and I see people that say, you know, my budget has gone in the first three hours of the day. And I got this, that, and the other. And they don't understand why. And they think, and the first thing they say is, competitors are clicking my ads. And that is not always true. You know, I'm not saying it's completely false, but it's not always true. And then I say, well, here again, why does that happen? And when I coin PPC math, I, I tend to teach my students that, um, you have to be mindful of how much budget you spend, how much the average click is per um, keyword or product target that you're that you're targeting, and what is the strength of the search volume 
for that keyword that you're looking at or category that you're searching in. And when you put all that together, you can find out exactly what's going to happen. So here's some quick math. I think I can do it in my head. Let's say you have a category or a, a, a campaign that has one keyword in it that it has 30,000 searches a month. Okay. And okay. stay with me on the math here. Check me on the math. So if I divide that 30,000 by 30 days, that's 1,000 searches per month. I mean, per day. Okay. Excuse me. Right. The average shopper is going to shop, and this is a number that I made up, around 14, 15 hours a day, somewhere between 7 a.m. and you know, 9 p.m. You know, you got, you know, on the average, right? So if you divide that thousand um, searches per day by 15 hours, you get, mm, I don't know, let's do some outrageous math and say you get a hundred clicks per hour. Okay. So if you got a hundred clicks per hour and you're targeting that keyword that, that produces a hundred clicks per hour, and that keyword is, according to Amazon, expensive at $2 a click. That's not expensive, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So to, to gather all those clicks at the top spot, you would need at least 200 bucks per hour, right? And our budgets are like, you know, for some campaigns, 30 bucks a day, 40 bucks a day. And if you get in the top spots, and there's 100 people per hour clicking that, if you do the math and the frenzy of it all, you're going to get clicked out. And that's just one keyword that you may have in that 15-keyword campaign. Mm -hmm. And when people realize that, it's like, oh, I don't have enough budget for this $2 average uh, keyword that gets 100 clicks per hour based on the numbers. And that's where you decide to figure out what keywords you really want and how much you can afford and what to expect from it, especially in your position, because, you know, the first page, the top half gets about 90 percent of the clicks. I mean, so then in that situation, let's say maybe you can't afford to keep that budget higher. Mm -hmm. Do you just go ahead and and run out of budget on that at, at 10 a.m. And, and be cool with that? Or, you know, if it's profitable or, or you try and do something else? So that's the that's the thing. If it's profitable, hell yes. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, you never quit something that's profitable. Okay. That's <laughs> making sure you know people do some crazy things out there. <laughs> if, if, but you got to figure out if it's profitable. If if it's just yeah. draining your profits and you know you're wasting your money, then sure, decrease the bid or x the keyword until you're able to to afford it. But uh, if if it's profitable, let's go forward. Yeah. Three hours okay. a day. <laughs> All right. Shan Shan, let's switch back to you now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are you not working for a PPC agency now since the last time that we uh, that we talked? Uh, I used to. Um, so I, I spent uh, a year working with Trivium, and okay. I talked to over 100 Amazon sellers every day about uh, their business. Uh, but currently, I, I just work on my uh, brand. So then, I, but I would imagine though, in the in the, in the year, you know, work, you know, when you're not just focused on your own brand, um, you, you, like you said, you're talking to so many people that your eyes were kind of maybe open to to a whole bunch of other, a uh, whole bunch of other things that that you know are going on in the PPC world. So what about you for the last year, either your own brand or from all these conversations you were having, 
what what kind of you know insights, new insights did you get into BBC or or uh, unique strategies that that you've got? Yeah, so I hear a lot about um, people not able to scale. Um, they have uh, their their PPC is basically just going like this, and um, one strategy to scale is to divide your PPC into two cycles. So in cycle one, you focus on impressions. That's where you train Amazon to bring you as much relevant traffic as possible. And a lot of the sellers I talked to would um, basically have Amazon throttle them by having really low budgets, like $10 per campaign per day. But you shouldn't do that. Instead, you should have $100 per campaign per day. Not because you're actually going to spend $100. You will manually manage to ad spend yourself or, or somebody else will. Um, but if you put 100, Amazon won't throttle you. They won't make a judgment and say, oh, this is a small seller. So we're only going to give her a tiny pie, piece of the pie. Um, so one, teach Amazon not to throttle you and get as much impression as possible. Then cycle two, you focus on profit. That's when you cut down on ad spend, remove all the wasted spend, and try to get your A cost as low as possible. And when you do that, the benefit is one, you only have one goal, so it's easier to measure. And two, if you do it successfully, what will happen is it'll go like this. Cycle one, cycle two, cycle one, cycle two. And it go up in an upward trend because it's not confusing for Amazon. If you try to do profit and impressions at the same time, you're adding as you're cutting. It's confusing for Amazon um, as opposed to really just helping them help you scale up. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now that's, um, you know, that, that's something that I think, you know, sometimes people are scared. And that was why I asked, uh, you know, Sharon about that, because, you know, sometimes it's, it's a matter of you, you gotta, you gotta raise the, you, you gotta have high budgets just as seemingly some, you know, get, get Amazon to move on, on some things, but it doesn't always mean that, that, you know, that's that's what you're going to hit. So, without hitting the budget, so how else are you are you controlling your your spend? Are are you just talking about like like do you what if it does? What if it does start getting a little bit out of control and and it's not profitable at the beginning? Like like how how do you draw the line where like obviously none of us want to lose money, but you know hey I, I my plan is to do about fifty bucks a day, so I'm going to put my budget to a hundred. And of course, you know, maybe it just does, you know, $50 a day and, and I'm, I'm good to go. I've, I've, I've hit my goal. But what if, you know, especially in a newer one where it might get a little bit out of control, you know, like what, what do you do in order to, to make sure that you stay profitable? Because, you know, you can't, you can't really control Amazon all, all too much. You know, they, they can take your, your, especially if we're dealing with broad campaigns and, and auto campaigns, you know, they can start getting, going wild with, with your, with your placements. A daily attention, uh, be on it every single day, which is hard for a lot of people who have second jobs because you've got to uh, remove any keyword that hits a certain threshold and because you know at that point this is not a winning keyword. So, for example, for me, it's $7. $7 if there's a keyword and it hits $7 worth of clicks and it didn't get any sales, I kill it forever. It's gone from all my campaigns. Um and so just be ruthless, you know, and I found that, you know, it's fairly consistent when it's a keyword, specific keyword, where it gets tough is abroad and the auto campaigns, right? 
there you're going to have so many keywords that you're not going to know, you know, exactly how to control it. Um, so in that instance, you know, I just, it's kind of similar. I just ruthlessly cut broad keywords after a certain threshold if it doesn't get enough sales. If I spend $30 on a broad keyword and it doesn't get any sales, then I kill it for a certain amount of time, say four months. And then I, maybe I'll bring it back if, if in the past it seemed to be a success because it might be a seasonal thing. Um, so you can kind of cycle through, but I wouldn't keep spending on a broad keyword um, or phrase or that that keeps wasting money. I only spend on the ones that are winning. And yeah, you might lose some keywords that would have eventually got well. But in my industry, in women's clothing, I don't have the luxury of margin. Okay, cool. Now, switching back to Sharon, um, you know, with with the coaching and things that you do, you, you talk to a, a lot of people. A- anybody over the last couple of years, like, has some some other kind of, like, inspiring story or, like, motivates you? You know, like, I, I think that that's what a lot of us uh, definitely thrive off of is, is, like, hearing other people's stories. And it's sometimes, sometimes more exciting to see somebody... Uh, you know, thrive, you know, even than your own success uh, sometimes. Any, anybody's stories stick out in the mind or like somebody started here, now they're here uh, or anything like that? I have a student who was fear-driven and um, their decisions were based off of how scared they were to, to make that leap and make that jump. And um, one of my hardest things is um, being a transparent coach that I am is showing them your flaws and as well as your successes, your failures as well as your successes, to see to to to, to tell them that it's going to be okay if you keep pushing forward and you keep pushing forward smartly. Uh, one of the things that we went over was um her her, her their fear of overspending on PPC, and the way I got her to well, it's a she, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use her. The way I got her to uh, commit to PPC um, was to give her an understanding of what PPC actually is. Her concept of thinking when she came in is, if I throw money into advertising, I'm going to get sales. And my, I had to break it down to her and I said, that's not entirely true. Right? The purpose of PPC is exactly in this name, prices per click. The purpose of it is to get you clicks. Your listing, the purpose of your listing is to convert that viewer into a, a buyer. So if you're not, if you're getting clicks, then your advertisement is working. If you're not getting sales, then your listing isn't converting that viewer into a, a buyer. So when I brought that to her attention, she was getting all the clicks that she wanted, but she wasn't getting the sales. So now we transition to her listing as to why aren't, why isn't your listing converting that viewer into a, a customer? Right. And it's social proof. And we fixed on that stuff right there. But once she understood that, then she wasn't afraid to spend money because she now knows that she's spending money in advertisement to get the clicks to bring people to her listing. Right? If, if, the pur- if the sole purpose of advertisement or PPC particularly was to get sales, then you would have a buy now button on the search result page. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't. So the per- yeah, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon's been testing so much stuff. You never know what the that, that search results page. Oh my goodness, uh, there seems like there's something new on there every day. But every day, right? uh, 
they, they might have just heard you and come up with a new idea there. Okay. Hey, I hope but so. No, I, I'll follow you. I'll follow you here. And that, the, the faster we can get a viewer to buy, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but once she realized that, then she realized that her money for advertisement had a, a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. And now she can focus her attention on fixing her listing. And sure enough, two months later, she was getting more sales. Okay. Now, um, what about just general strategies for yourself, for your students? What are some new, unique things that maybe we haven't talked about in this podcast about, you know, you, you it could be about PPC since we've been talking about PPC. It could be about launch. could be about your uh, image strategy. Um, could be about uh, other marketplaces, whatever you want to talk about, Sharon. Uh, what, what's some unique uh, quick hitting uh, tips that you can give our uh, listeners out there? Oh, so I, I think the, the best tip that I can give any seller out there that I've given my students is understanding as much as you can about the next step before you take it. That being said, when, when you apply that concept to product research, uh, we like to use, I like to use Helium 10's x-ray tool to get as much information about the category um, as a whole before deciding to sell in that category. And there's a lot of different data that you can pull from Helium 10, particularly the X-ray tool, that will give you an understanding of how much money that category brings in and how much your slice of the pie is going to potentially become. You know, I work off the law of averages as a as a as a, a foundation or baseline for what you could do in there because I believe everybody's at least average, right? You can be at least average. And if you can accept the numbers at average, then you can hit that as your standard and then excel beyond that. So um, my tip to all all the uh, listeners out there and always my students is learn as much as about, uh, learn as much as you can about the next step before you take it, especially if the next step requires you to spend a lot, large sum of money. Um, Shanshan, what about you? S- similar question as far as the first one I just asked Sharon is, is, you know, in dealing with, you know, talking to so many sellers a- a- as you as you have over the last year, any inspiring stories uh, stick out in your uh, in your mind? You know, um, I recently joined a forum called e-commerce fuel. And um, I, I'm all about building community. I've been hosting dinners and happy hours in San Francisco, Miami, New York. And through my networking, I have really learned a lot of the strategies, the tips that I wouldn't have learned elsewhere. And I wish I had been more engaged um, from the beginning because I would have saved myself a lot of mistakes. So um, really my tip is just to get engaged, you know, reach out to me if you want to join my dinners. Um, uh, Reach out to me if you're female and an e-commerce founder because it's an underrepresented group and we'll help each other. Um, get there because um, you know Amazon's always changing. You know they they screw me a couple times over the last year, but um, with some help, you can always get past it. I think you had mentioned uh, you had alluded to something uh, that happened to you uh, on the negative side uh, in the last year. That's probably what you're just alluding to now, but I didn't get details on it. So what what was that negative thing that happened to you? Yes, the reason why women's clothing is one of the worst categories is sizing. Um, and women tend to return way more than men. Men buy something and just like never return it. But women return everything. So 20% is low for return rate, which is astronomical for a regular Am- Amazon product. 
So if you're dealing with 20% returns, how do you make profit, right? Um, and with sizing, I've there was some products where, uh, you know, women tried on and it didn't fit them. And they would give it a bad review and complain. And then Amazon saw enough um, complaints that they just took all my inventory from that number one bestseller and moved it to reserved and said, you know what? You have to upload a size chart and, um, and then we'll release your inventory. One, inventory go out is very bad for ranking, right? Um, I had no warning about that. And when I upload the size chart immediately because I you know, want my product to go back up, it took them over a month, two months for me to move their the reserved inventory back into standard available inventory. So um, Amazon loves to throw these curveballs. And what I learned is that I have to diversify. I can't just have one bestseller. I can't just have one product line, women's clothing. You know, I need to have other types. So um, one of my favorite mantras is sometimes a opportunity is disguised as a setback. And that was a setback. I lost a lot of sales from that one main bestseller, probably half the sales from that product. But from that, I was more motivated to launch other products and hopefully double or triple my sales next year. And it wouldn't have happened if Amazon didn't screw me a little. There you go. Sometimes uh, a, a good thing can come, come out of a negative thing. Yes. Now, you know, I was just looking at your your storefront right now. I, I see that your, your, your pattern tights is selling like, I don't know, it uh, looks like, you know, 10, 20, 30 units a day sometimes, even now. Um, how, how, how come those took off? Is this the one that that, that Amazon ha- had shut down or or why do you think that this product is doing, you know, better than, than your other uh, product lines? Partially due to Taylor Swift. Um, so there's a thing called Taylor Swift economy right now. I had one product, I, I, I keep launching products every year. You gotta keep launching products to, to stay on top of it in women's clothing. And um, some of the products look similar to what Taylor Swift would wear on in concerts. And Taylor Swift has filled hotels in the cities that she's um, been at more so than like major sports events. She has driven economies. She's kept people spending. Um, they, I think they call a Swift swift economy or something like that and yeah some of my products sales just went up suddenly because hey taylor swift is promoting it and all the girls want it so i didn't even know about that and that kind of made me realize you know what i should really keep an eye on stuff like that you know um is there a huge celebrity that's wearing a certain look is there a big cultural event happening where everybody wants this type of design um, because if I had known, I would have doubled down on those products, but still yeah. I got to ride the wave. Cool. Cool. All right. Now, Sharon, like if people want to reach out to you, uh, find you on the interwebs, uh, how can they do that? AMZPowerCircle.com. All one word. AMZPowerCircle.com. And Shanshan, how can people uh, reach out to you on the interwebs? Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn, Shanshan Fu, or you can email me at hello at millennialshops.com. Um, Millennial Shops with an S at the end. And um, reach out to me if you want to um, get some PPC help, if you want to join e-commerce field and you want six months free and you're female, or if you just want to connect and come to my dinners. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, it's been great reaching out, uh, you know, to you guys. I hope I uh, to be able to see you in person, you know, soon again. Uh, I think last time I saw you, Sharon, was it was probably at at Cell and Scale yep. uh, last year. Uh, and Shasha, were you at Cell and Scale, or when's the last time I saw you? I think might have been at a Prosper, a previous Prosper show. A Prosper, sure you were dancing long. to Mark McGrath. Ah, yes, yes, that was a Prosper show, I believe. Okay, so uh, hope to reach out to you guys. Um, uh, I'll be going to New York uh, later on this year, maybe maybe Florida. So I'll, I'll see I'll see you over there. And and Sharon, I know it's it's tough to get you on an airplane sometimes, but but hopefully I'll be able to uh, uh, see you soon as well. Yeah, man, I'm there whenever you need me. <laughs>